This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Our text this morning is the Holy Gospel according to John, John 12, and we'll be reading verses 20 to 27. John 12, 20 to 27. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Well, let me just say up front that this is a hard text. It's hard. It's challenging what Jesus is speaking about. Because there's some sense in which we imagine that if we do everything we can to make our lives better, we'll have a, frankly, better, more fulfilling, more satisfying life. And so in many ways, we try to work hard so that we can provide for ourselves and those we love, and we work hard so we can play hard, right? Maybe put in a little overtime to save up for that big vacation. And listen, after a year of being cooped up, I think we're all ready for a vacation, somewhere warm, preferably. And in many ways, our entire lives are geared toward establishing ourselves, right? In terms of career, finances, house status, and so on. And yet Jesus has this idea that if we give our lives away, then we'll actually find them. That's when we'll have more meaning, more satisfaction, and make a real difference. He's defying conventional wisdom. And I'll be honest, I don't like it. It's hard. Because I'm a normal human who wants to take care of my family, be out of debt, put my kids through college, and so on, right? Stuff that's hard enough already. And after a year of incredible challenge where most of us feel that we don't have anything left, Jesus is asking for even more? Who can live up to that? I'm not sure I can which is why I often say that I'm aspiring to be a follower of Jesus because I'm not sure I've arrived as such. Jesus invites us onto a path that cuts against the grain of nearly every impulse in our bodies and every message our society is giving us. 
He's always turning us outward toward others, toward generosity, toward giving, toward such a total commitment to service that we're willing to give up that which is most precious to us, our very lives. Really, Jesus? No wonder he had disciples who walked away. He asked too much. Even Jesus knows that this path will be difficult. He says in our text, even now my soul is troubled. And I find comfort in that, frankly, because Jesus too is human. He knew what he was asking uh, his followers was difficult, just as he knew that his own path would be difficult. And he says, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? My thought is, yes, say that, right? Who of us hasn't asked something like that of God in a difficult moment? God, it's just too much. I can't handle anymore. Please help. But Jesus says, no, it is for this reason that I came to this hour. Jesus knew his purpose, and he knew his purpose was to give his life away. But it wasn't just his purpose. He reminds us that it's our purpose as well. And to help make the point, Jesus uses a farming analogy, which turns out to be kind of a subversive agricultural reference. So we'll get into that a little bit here. This is one of the rare agricultural images used in the fourth gospel. And in many ways, it's a powerful metaphor for what Jesus is describing. Now, to understand it, we need to learn a little bit more about the social context of wheat farming among uh, the Palestinian peasants of Jesus' day. Scholar Anthony Gittins highlights uh, that, first of all, there was a distinction between wild wheat and what you might call domesticated wheat. Wild wheat, also known as emmer wheat, blew its seed freely through the air, and it produced a crop without human assistance, and nomadic people would often rely on it for sustenance, right? Nomadic people going from here to there without any established residence, and so wheat that just you know arose on its own, so to speak, uh, could be a source of food for them. But the reality is this wild wheat was thin and really of little economic or nutritional value. And more settled groups, non-nomadic people, had learned how to domesticate wheat. And this was known as bread wheat because it produced a bountiful crop in good conditions and could be harvested and turned into bread and be of more sustenance and more lasting and dependable source of food. But this domesticated wheat was so heavy and uh, tight in the head that it required assistance in order to scatter the seed or simply risk falling where it was and failing to grow at all. And here's what's interesting in this reference Jesus is making. This task of breaking up and distributing bread wheat grains generally fell to women. 
Gittin says, Serial cultivation has, in a unique way, been the legacy of women. It demands knowledge of cycles and seasons, moons and meteorology, knowledge and activities originating with and residing in women par excellence. So in two essential ways, really, the image of wheat farming was a feminine metaphor. And in John 12, 24, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. And Gittin notes that the phrase used in the Greek here is kokos to situ, and it refers not to a single grain, but to a, a harvestable quantity of already sifted grain. And so with this background in mind, we can see that Jesus' parable or analogy here describes the reality of bread wheat. If it isn't harvested properly, it remains alone and bears no fruit. But if it dies, so to speak, by being broken up and planted, it bears much fruit. In other words, ironically, when we give ourselves away, that is when we become more than ourselves. But by trying hard to preserve ourselves, that very well could backfire. And it's important, as we noted, that the English renderings of a single grain of wheat aren't really accurate here because the Greek kokos to situ is actually plural, grains of wheat. And it suggests that Jesus isn't just talking about himself here, right? I think we probably translate it singular because we imagine Jesus talking about his own life, which we know he's going to offer up at the end of the gospel in death. But he isn't just talking about himself. He's talking about his followers as well. He's talking about you and I. And unless we are willing to have our lives broken up, unless we are willing to give ourselves away in service and in love, we'll never be everything we were meant to be. So what does it mean to give ourselves away? I think in many ways it's a posture of <clears throat> surrender. A posture of surrender. To recognize that everything we have is a gift, including our own lives. And that when we see this, no matter where we are in life, no matter our status or financial position, that we see that it's all a gift, we're invited to give it back to God and to others to simply let go, to die to ourselves, to end our perpetual grasping. And when we do that, with no guarantees, the seed dies, remember, in this analogy, we often find that a deep peace comes our way when we're truly able to let go. 
a deep peace no matter what comes our way. And we discover joys and gifts in a way never possible before. As Jesus puts it, that's actually when we discover our very lives. But let's be honest, right? This is hard. This isn't simple. It's counterintuitive, countercultural, and goes against many of our natural impulses. But when we can truly learn to let go of ourselves, beautiful things happen. One example that comes to mind is all the front care health workers during this past year, right? So many long hours worked, worrying about exposing yourself, and then potentially bringing that home to your family, sometimes quarantining, uh, even from those you love. All kinds of stress. And I think about all those uh, working and serving to get vaccines administered. Until we went in and got our first dose uh, late Friday night, I think I, I really didn't have a concept of the scale of this operation. Right? It really hadn't sunk in. And as we began to pull in, uh, we were on uh, the southeast side of Grand Rapids, south of the airport. And as we're pulling in, there's like large electric signs, like directing us where to park for vaccine distributions. I mean, it felt like a large scale military effort. Uh, so we found our way into the parking lot at this Spectrum facility, which I believe is normally a, a technology facility and not even a, a healthcare facility, but they transformed it into a place to administer vaccines. And so we, we parked in the parking lot, saw lots of other people in the parking lot waiting to get a text that it was their time to go in. Then we got in a, a long a line, which turned out to be a long line, uh, just for the getting in the door. Someone greeted us at the door with some hand sanitizer, kind of had to snake through. And then someone else was there to take our temperature. And then someone else walked us through registration. Someone else actually did the registration. Another volunteer walked us toward the various stations. Someone then there directed us to an open spot where we saw dozens of people who were actually administering the vaccines. And it was like a maze walking through each step of this process. And I remember we rounded uh, one corner of this maze through a hallway where a woman uh, would walk us through the registration process. And she has to do this uh, again and again to small groups of people, four or five people, as they come around the bend to her area. And with literally hundreds and thousands coming through, this is clearly a very difficult and monotonous job. And again, we were late at night on a Friday. So end of a long week and end of a very long day. And so it's approaching 10 p.m. Uh, we rounded the corner the line was stretching very long behind us, but the people behind us were a little slow and catching up. So we rounded the corner and no one came behind us. And she said to us, is that it? And you could see her like pleading with us, please let this be the end of the line. And it was difficult to tell her the news that no, nope, the line was stretched out long behind us and still growing. But we told her and she smiled and said, okay, and she went on and cheerfully gave us the information we needed to know so that we could register and get prepared for registration and the next stage of this process. And what was incredible to experience was that so many of these folks, like nearly everybody we encountered in this process, was so 
cheerful, so positive and even personable to us, asking us how our day was or how it felt to finally be at this point of getting a vaccine and how easy it might have been just to sort of next, next, and sort of glaze your eyes over and just, you know, be robotic about it and get through the end of your day, especially at the end of the day. But man, we experienced the total opposite. And when you are giving of yourself for a cause like that, at the end of a year like this, at the end of a week like this, at the end of a day like that, to help us get over a global pandemic and having an attitude like that, man, these are people who have let go of themselves in service to something larger. Something bigger and more beautiful. And I see this happen frequently. We had a recent justice team Justice Action Team meeting, and we had gotten some requests from Community Action House about uh, a person formerly houseless who they'd just been able to provide uh, some housing for, and he was in need of some items. He needed a, a bed, a new bed, and some linens, and some um, towels, and kitchen items, and a kitchen table and chairs, and within 10 minutes, our group had produced all the elements needed for this person to get established in their home. And people were like, what else can we give? It was awesome to see. That generosity is amazing. There's a famous line from a Greek poet that you'll often see on signs at rallies. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. And it's a reminder of this subversive wisdom of Jesus that when the powers of this world attempt to crush us and we are willing yet to give our all for justice and for our neighbors and for the common good, we will prevail and our efforts will not be in vain and something new is always going to grow even if we don't live to see it. And so every time I see people who go above and beyond donating precious time and items to those most in need, opening their homes to those in need, volunteering in the community, organizing rallies for justice, marching for peace, working to ensure underdocumented folks are advocated for and safe, risking their lives to protect the most marginalized among us, refugees, immigrants, prisoners, you name it, I know that Jesus is with us and Jesus is smiling because he knows something good is growing. Amen and namaste. to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, 
like us on Facebook, or visit hollanducc.org. Thank you.